Welcome to Cube and Chaos. Spend some time with us, enjoying old cards and new, whether they are weak or powerful. Hey everyone, it's Max. You probably know me better as Finite MTG. And I'm Jacob, known as Crackshot Online. All right, we are here today to talk to you guys uh, for the first time about Cube and Chaos, the name of our new podcast, and also our subject material. Yeah, so welcome, everybody. Recently, there have been uh, quite a few very nice events on Magic Online um, that we have enjoyed playing. And we want to start talking about these first with you. And it's the first thing that uh, also sparked a little bit the idea for this podcast was the Grave Cycling Chaos Draft on Magic Online. So what was that about? Yeah, so normally uh, Chaos Draft, you just have any number of sets. Uh, most of them tend to be old. Uh, you throw them together, you get one pack of each, um, and you just see where you end up. There's usually not very much synergy. It's usually a lot about pure card evaluation, and sometimes you end up running some real clunkers, but it's always a good time. Uh, this time it was a little different. They've been mixing it up lately on Magic Online. Uh, so Grave Cycling, if you missed it, uh, it involved a lot of cards with uh, and sets with graveyard synergy and also cards with cycling. Um, and it was Wizard's attempt to combine these two themes into a cohesive, if you will, Chaos Draft format, um, which, yeah. yeah, we've never really seen a synergistic chaos before so i think it was a really uh i don't know kind of unprecedented uh format yeah it was certainly interesting i however had the feel that it uh didn't strike the theme as strongly as uh, the name intended if they would have just advertised it as basic chaos draft and then people figured it out by themselves that there is a theme behind it that might have also been an interesting way to go about it since well, some of these sets, especially the graveyard themes, I felt like were quite loud in some of the packs. But the cycling felt a bit like a throw-in theme just to uh, be able to include the recent set, which I do like that they did that. Because, uh, as they also said on their website, in previous installments of Chaos Draft, they always somehow ex excluded the most recent set. And I did like to see it here. Yeah, I think it was a really interesting choice, too. Um, I think I agree with you that uh, we did not see necessarily as much support for cycling as we did for general graveyard synergies, and I think that makes sense. Um, just throwing a bunch of cycling cards into your deck maybe get you closer to threshold, if that's something you're playing toward um, a mechanic that requires you to have seven or more cards in your graveyard um, that I think exists exclusively in the older sets. Um, and yeah, kind of going off of some interesting choices of set inclusions, one kind of glaring and pretty recent block that I think should have made it in there was uh, a Moncat. So a Moncat, you had, yeah. Yeah, you had both Embalm, Internalize, and a ton of cycling going around as well. So to me, that seemed like a really um synergistic potential inclusion and i uh was left wondering a little bit why uh 
they chose not to include it. I also didn't get that. Um, but the nice thing about the cycling in general is uh, it will make it easy for you to find playables. I have run worse cards in my decks than two colorless mana to draw a card. Pretty it sure. happens. Yeah, yeah. Um, in Chaos Draft, sometimes you end up scraping for playables or, you know, you have to suck it up say you're not too proud to play your three mana two twos or four mana three threes um and yeah as we've seen <laughs> the phenomenon of cycling in ikoria just sweeping the format red white cycling i remember pretty early on being a dominant force uh, even the two mana cyclers in chaos draft even without the crazy synergies are still totally fine cards to play in your deck yeah, and what I noticed also in this this Chaos Draft um, installment is, even though the cycling was in the name of it, I did see some Zenith Flares go unpicked, basically. Like, I saw them with three cards left in the pack, and I didn't want it, and nobody wanted it. It didn't deliver on that front that much, but it was still was a lot of fun, in my opinion. For sure, yeah. I think... One of the best ways to have fun playing Magic is when you get really ambitious trying something fun or original and go for some kind of unique theme. Yeah, and when you sometimes have a few stinkers in your set or in your, in your, in your draft deck and they are like the background and they let the few very nice synergies and the uh, the hallmarks of your deck shine even more. I feel like sometimes that uh, makes it even a little bit more exciting when you finally draw that synergy piece that you were waiting for. So did you have a, a favorite deck this installment of Chaos? So it was really hard for me to choose uh, a favorite deck. I started looking, I think, at maybe five of them and then <laughs> narrowed it down to three. Um, and I decided I didn't want to go based on um, something like power level or whether or not the deck trophied, I wanted to go based on just, I guess, synergy and how fun I thought the deck was. Yeah. Um, so I ended up going with this uh, red-white list, and I started taking removal really highly with this one, and it was late in pack two, I picked up Goblin Slide. Uh, so for those of you not familiar with that one, it's two and a red for an enchantment. Whenever you cast a non-creature spell, you may pay one. If you do, make a 1-1 one, one Goblin with haste. And so this deck, just out of nowhere, ended up picking up that card, and it really brought the deck together uh, in a way I did not expect. You had cards like Soul Summons, uh, one and a white to manifest, or sort of turn the top card of your library ah. into a morph, right? Which Double uh, creatures. Yeah, exactly. So you had a bunch of uh, cards that look like just average or slightly below rate creatures, uh, which trigger the goblin slide. And uh, if you pay an extra mana, you're able to make a goblin along with that creature. Uh, and that's where the synergy started coming together. So you have another one is Fierce Invocation, five mana uh, to manifest the top card of your library and, to, and put two plus one plus one counters on it. Um, and just a card like that feels really nice to play um, when you're looking at like a 5-mana 4-4 in the sideboard or something like that. Just that tiny bit of extra value that 
little increments yeah. that you get there. Um, and then I guess the last really nice part about this, so um, some of the synergistic cards uh, that care about non-creature spells care specifically about instants and sorceries, um, but Goblin Slide is a little more versatile. It counts any non-creature spell. Um, and so I was able to pick up a Flowstone Embrace relatively early. Uh, it's an unusual one. It's one in red uh, for an enchantment aura. You can pretty much use it to kill a creature. Every now and then you'll use it to pump something, but yeah, you can tap the aura itself to give a creature plus two, minus two. Um, and then yeah. some, something really fun happened, which was I went into a Theros Beyond Death pack. I saw a Dreadful Apathy and a Heliod's Pilgrim. And I was thinking, okay, so now we have the Dreadful Apathy, and we can pick that up and try to wheel the Pilgrim. And so now we have a second target for it, for the Pilgrim, uh, because the Pilgrim, of course, can find an Aura, so you can find that Dreadful Apathy, or you can find the Flowstone Embrace. And of course, they're both um, potential triggers for the Goblin Slide as well. So I really had That's a lot of fun so with nice. this one. Yeah, yeah, it was really it's, fun. It's also so unusual to get uh, Aura removal in red, like... There are not that many of those. Yeah, no. That kind of thing, I <laughs> that's why I love Chaos Draft. You have these really like niche interactions that you know you're able to put together in a surprising way. Um and yeah, just playing a red white control deck, how often does that come together, regardless of uh the card types in it? Yeah, that's very nice. So how about you, Jacob? Did you have a favorite deck from this past Chaos season? Yeah, yes, for sure. I I was lucky enough to be able to build a companion deck and it happened to be a Yorion, the Sky Nomad, the one that requires you to play 20 more cards than your normal deck size minimum. And I picked it up as the pick one in pack two. And I was luckily set up in a way where I could try to make this happen. Uh, I was basically just green at that point, um, flirting with black. And um, so these ended up to be the open colors, but uh, Bjorion being um, blue-white casting cost obviously required me to play a little, little, little more colors. So it ended up being a everything but red deck, but the main colors were black and green. And I was quite lucky. Like it's not easy to get 60 or well, let's say 35 playable cards in uh, in, in Chaos Draft. Uh, but I did, and that was partly also because this um, installment, the, the packs were a little bit higher in power level on average than um, in some other more random Chaos Draft environments. Yeah, so the highlights certainly were the, the fixing that I picked up. I had four pieces of um, fixing, three were green and a, a military sphere. Cube All-Star, one of the most first pickable cards in my opinion. It's a uh, an artifact for two colorless mana or generic mana and you can uh, for another two sacrifice it to search your library for two basic lands and put them into your hand and if you have that card in your hand like it's it just fixes all your problems fixes your mana card advantage fixes your mana just, and your problems right yeah it's just decently costed and it's uh, it's a beautiful card it's not for every deck, but for most decks, it's uh, very, very impressive. Yeah, and I had a, a few good cards in there, um, just power level-wise. 
Uh, I really liked the the Rocks Meditant I had in there. It was sadly my only really good. Ah, the Rocks Meditant and the Abbot Visionary, like two creatures. One is a one and a green one one that comes to play and draws a card, and the other is a three and a white two four that comes to play and draws a card if you control a green permanent. And those were my two cards that um, I could re-trigger with Yorion. So these were. They're, they're already already quite good cards that I like a lot. Yeah, no, this looks this looks like a ton of fun for sure. You have a lot of fixing there, uh, a lot of really powerful um, cards, some nice multicolor stuff, and the Mana Force Mace. You know, that's a yeah, nice one but for I, sure. It it only went two and one because if you're realistic, this deck is not really doing anything before turn three, and there are decks that punish you for that quite. Severely. Yeah, I played a lot of those uh, in this past Chaos format. I do um, like to play those as well. Yeah. The only um, opportunity I had to pick up a companion in this past um, Chaos format was Kahira, and even though I first picked it, there was just no way I was going to be able to put all the creature types together I needed to make that work. Yeah, but um, this, this deck and... Um, Picking up the Yorion in beginning of pack two um, makes me think about one small thing that one could take from this Chaos Draft for maybe cube design. Um, I don't know if it's possible to do this if you are playing the cube online, but uh, I think it would be an interesting format if you would um, seed your second pack with eight out of the ten it's 10, right? It's 10 companions? Something like that, I think so. Like one for each color pair. Yeah, it's it's I think it's all 10 color pairs have one. So, if you if you would put if you would seat your pack every pack with one companion um out of the 10, but in pack 2, so you don't railroad yourself, but uh you need to then see this very powerful nice card and you need to figure out can I still slot this one in my deck or will I get past one that might fit better um, knowing that they're there? I think that could be could be a fun thing for, for at least a few drafts. Yeah, yeah, I think that would be a nice way to mix it up. One of the things I actually really dislike about um, just the mechanic companion is if you have a card like Obosh or a card like uh, Jairuda and you have it pack one, pick one, suddenly, you know, you pretty much know how your deck is going to look before you've even yeah, drafted it. Yeah, the pack's tiny. Uh, right. The pack is tiny. Yeah. yeah. And I feel like a big part of drafting and the fun of it is the flexibility and knowing from your first pick how your deck is going to look, I think that diminishes a lot of the fun and creativity. Yeah, for sure. So that's why I thought about having these companions in pack two. Right. Yeah, I think that's a good choice. I don't know if it will work, but it's something that I will keep in mind and maybe try out. So did you have any new pet cards from this Chaos Drop? Did you find a hidden hidden gem somewhere that you will include in your cube? Well, I don't know if I would call it a hidden gem, uh, but there was a card which in the past I think I would have looked at the card, decided it wasn't playable, and just moved along. Um, but this was actually... I don't want to call it an all-star, but it was an important uh, component of one of my decks that trophied. And looking at it at first glance, it's still 
looks pretty underpowered. Uh, and the card's called Cephalid Scout. Uh, it's one and a blue for a 1-1 flyer, and for two and a blue, you can sacrifice a land to draw a card. Um, mm -hmm. So I saw this card. I was thinking about uh, whatever the red rummager is called from Theros Beyond Death, the 1-3. Um, yeah, yeah. And, and I was thinking, you know, how different is sacrificing a land from rummaging, right? Because a lot of the time you're going to be rummaging away a land anyway. Um, and I already knew I was going to be playing uh, blue-white flyers when I had the card. I knew my deck was going to be super low to the ground, um, and excess lands are just dead draws. So I figured, you know what? This is... <laughs> it doesn't look like it. It looks just like a clunky body and a bad ability. But I think this is actually you know, a way of getting in some extra points of damage, a way of turning dead draws into live ones. And sure enough, it actually performed really nicely. So don't, uh, <laughs> don't sneeze would, on the two mana one, one flyer. I would argue that, uh, this is better than the rummager because you don't have to play your game with the card in mind and keep cards in your hand that you might or might not want to discard. You can just play out all your lands when you draw it, bam, you can immediately use it, get the value, even if they have removal. I think it's quite nice. Yeah, I think it's pretty nice too. Um, is it better than the Rummager? I'm not totally sure. Uh, there were definitely times where I wished I could play an additional land from my hand so I could uh, rummage that one away too. Um, at some point you get a bit limited at the uh, land drops, that's true. Right. But yeah, I... I'm with you on that. I think the card's really nice, and yeah, you don't have to play toward it. You can just play anything in your hand. Yeah, and it's also, like, it's a very intriguing card for a common, I think. Like, so much going on on a small card. Right. And you can always find an environment that is low power enough where this can, can shine. And uh, just with the... It enables so many synergies also. Like, it fills your graveyard, it uh, triggers revolt. It's right. it's a nice card. I do like it a lot. Yeah. Yes, for me, the, the card I fell in love with was the Gloom Drifter. It, it's also a bit of an older card. Um, it's a three and a black for a 2-2 two, two flying uncommon zombie. And if you have thresholds, so seven or more cards in your graveyard... When it comes to play, it gives minus two, minus two to all non-black creatures. And I feel like this card just slots nicely into um, the theme in my cube. Like, it's somewhere between a flame time Kavu and, like, a, a small sweeper. But also, it's not like a sweeper that you play on turn two, three, something, and immediately sweep the aggressive text board. Because you need to fill the graveyard first. It's a bit slow, but it's on a stick, so I, I do like the card. I, I'm i not sure how powerful it is in uh, in a cube setting, but I already added it to my peasant cube and hope it will perform there. However, when I looked at the card recommendation feature on Cube Cobra today, the number one suggested cut for... Uh, for my cube is the Gloom Drifter, so. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess it's just perfect then.
Yeah, maybe. It's something you hit, Jim. Yeah, it's a nice one. It reminds me, I don't know if you know this card, uh, but Keening Banshee, I think it was in one of the old Ravnican sets, four mana for a 2-2 two, two flyer. When it enters the battlefield, target creature gets minus two, minus two until end of turn. Um, and I feel like it's there's just so much more there than in the Keening Banshee. Like, Keening Banshee, it's going to be good. It's going to be good most of yeah. the time. But Gloom Drifter is just so much more interesting. The floor is so much lower and the ceiling is so much higher. It requires you to, you know do work it uh doesn't yeah. just go into any deck yeah yeah and also that can play it ahead of combat to to clean the blocks out or like make the blocks very bad for your opponent and take all out like clearing the clearing board stalls or you can play it after combat to finish something off it's, with, maybe they block in a way that gives you threshold i don't know it's. I think I think it, there are nice nice um, play patterns with this card. For sure, it definitely was great uh, when the Oracle or the Oracle eight 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 on uh, on Twitch had two of them yes. in his deck. That was yeah yeah. Two of an uncommon and chaos draft is just so unlikely. Yeah. But uh, with this one, because it was only eighteen packs, I believe, eighteen different sets, so they had to have double packs. Yeah, um, speaking of double packs, just before we move on, um, I feel like double packs are actually one of the least fun parts of uh, this past format, in my opinion, just because, yeah, I, yeah, I, I feel like um, the amount of chaos, <laughs> I guess, decreases quite a bit, but more specifically, um, when you have old sets mixed with new sets, and, you know, you're giving one person two copies of a card from torment and hey maybe it is gloom drifter and that's pretty cool but you're giving somebody <laughs> else potentially two copies of a card from ikoria the card <laughs> right yeah it's just <laughs> it's just not very comparable i remember i think uh either the second or third um chaos draft deck i had uh in this grave cycling format i played against someone with both Fire Prophecy and the Red Mythos, and I was just thinking, okay, so is Red insanely open, and you somehow wield one of those? Or, much more likely, it's the double packs. Yeah. 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 And, I don't know, that kind of thing, it just, it just feels bad knowing that somebody else got two packs of the really powerful new set uh, when you didn't have that experience. Yeah, that's true. I did like the Ikoria though in general. Um, Mutate and all its weird rules interactions really coming up in Chaos Draft was certainly very nice. And uh, being, this being such a small Chaos Draft um, package made it more likely that they came up. So I really like seeing just some, I don't know, phantom creatures from Torment with... Uh, something mutated on it and they're they will never die because of the damage is prevented that's it's cool yeah yeah that's definitely a nice interaction it's like fertile it on steroids yeah all right you ready to move on to uh Dekaru cube so Dekaru cube was just there last week Dekaru is the founder of cube cobra 
um, at least for me, the cube organizing website of choice. And he designed a cube for KubeCon, which uh, sadly right now can't can't take place. Um, and this cube is a, a legacy cube, I would call it. And I would say that it has only very light themes um, on the official post on the mothership for for the Decaro cube. There were 10 color pairs and 10 themes suggested in there. Um, how did you how did you feel about these these uh, this cube and these color pair synergies? Um, it seemed like almost everyone I talked to really was a big fan of this cube, uh, and I was definitely excited as I read through um, the article too. Just uh, reading about a bunch of archetypes that we don't normally have in the Magic Online uh, cubes, and I think really with these. Um, cube spotlight series cubes it's really just an opportunity to have something different than um, your modern legacy vintage cubes that kind of thing um yep i do have to say um uh, the light nudges toward themes i think that might be for the better um so you don't end up i guess railroading someone um yep but at the same time I definitely was hoping I could just end up in that stacks archetype every time. And when I realized the uh, themes were a little lighter, um, you know, that you couldn't just force stacks and just end up there the way you can with some of the, I guess, macro archetypes like aggro or control. Um, yeah. I, I think I'll say I was a, a tad disappointed. Yeah, it's it was definitely not an easy cube to draft um, because I, it, I felt like it's a very um, yeah, competitive environment in the cube because uh, both in this cube and the next one that we'll talk about a little later, they pay a lot of attention to making aggro and control viable and in balance to each other. And both of those can really punish you if you just go for a like cute theme deck and don't pick cards that, while not necessarily important to your theme, allow you to stay alive against aggro or not fall to one of the big finishers of the control deck or something like that. So it puts a strain on your deck and you can't just play all cute uh cute cards for your synergies for sure yeah <laughs> you don't get to dirtle around forever without worry about being run over or having all your spells countered um and i think yeah. um in terms of that choice uh on the part of the creator i think that that choice makes sense i think there are a lot of people who uh feel like part of cube uh, means having those strategies. Um, like you have aggro, you have mid range, you have control. And I think yeah. a lot of people, <laughs> if they tried to play an aggro deck and they couldn't, they would say, Hey, something's up. You know, I can't attack with my one mana, two ones like this. <laughs> this is not what I would call a cube. So I feel like there's a lot of pressure there to make that into a real viable archetype. Yes. There is. It's, uh, I think it's a, 
for, for a competitive environment, it's a very good cube. But if you happen to be in a draft pod with a lot of people that just want to do the dirtly stuff, then you see all these amazing aggro cards go very, very late. And you just know if somebody decides to pick them up, they will probably 3-0 and uh, some opponent in the finals will be very mad. Like, what pot was that? But, um, yeah. Yeah. With import sure. play, this doesn't happen. And everybody is at their own fault, but... Yeah. yeah, and that goes back to the addition of leagues uh, to Magic Online. And I must say, as a time saver, um, they're an enormous help. But every now and then, I miss that you know bit of traditional uh, magic that you get from in pod play. Yeah. This is something I think it's even stronger in cube draft. In in chaos draft, for example, I don't mind so much. It's just you don't know what's going on anyway. But in cube draft, knowing that normally it's a singleton format, and knowing that cards you have, they can't have, and you roughly know what you have passed, it makes a big difference in the gameplay. It almost feels like it's already a, a game two or game three where you have a rough idea about what, what's going on in your opponent's deck. Right. Yeah. I, I think that's a really fun part of the game, too, uh, making inferences about what your opponent can and can't have in their deck, in their hand, um, just based on, yeah, the information you have. Uh, even information like, you know, say you didn't pick a certain card, but you know which seat the player was at the table, uh, and it was pick, I don't know, pick 12, and that card couldn't have gotten back around to them, so you don't have to worry about it. Um and, you know, you're not always going to be going that deep to try to figure out um, whether or not there's a card you need to play around. But I do think it makes uh, the experience kind of a little deeper. Yeah, for, for Cubed, it's certainly nice when that happens. So did you find any, any cards in the Cube that uh, were especially interesting to you? I guess just off the top of my head, uh, smallpox. When I saw that one next to stacks, um, smallpox was a pet project of mine back in my little-known past as an attempted constructed player. Which don't need to worry too much about that. But um, yeah, yeah. But I just think it's a really sweet card, and I was excited to see it in the cube. It is. It's a. It's a very nice um, card. I. Did like um, some cards and themes a lot. I was very happy that uh, Blood Artist and uh, like what is the other one called? Um, the Zulaport Cutthroat or Zulaport Cutthroat. Yes, yeah. I, I was really happy to have them in the in the cube. I do like these cards a lot, and also they played quite well. This theme was I felt like the most supported one. At least it felt like that to me. Yeah. And also what is very interesting is um, I did one draft of, of this archetype. I felt my deck was quite good while drafting. And then in pack three, I passed uh, an early Judith. It would have fit perfectly in my deck, but I took a monocolored card. I don't even remember which one. Um, thinking this should surely wheel. 
but it seems like there were even two people in the same archetype. And I did 2-1 with the deck, but I did miss that Judith dearly. Right. Yeah, that's the worst feeling. Um, when there's a great card that you could have picked during the draft, and it's hard not to <laughs> hang on to that feeling as you play the matches. Um, but I think that's, that's the sign of a well-supported archetype. If you have uh, two people in a pod, you know, going for yeah. the exact same two color combination, the same synergies. Yeah, exactly. So what I, what I got from that is that these archetypes, which some were well supported and some were not so well supported, I feel like. And what I feel like what I learned from that for myself is that the communication about your cube can be very important. I know that not everybody that drafts with you wants to hear or read all of that stuff, but um, at least you don't want to mislead people. I don't feel like that was done in this spot. I think it was communicated quite clearly, but it's also important when it is. Yeah, I'm on board with that. Moving on to Coltec Cube. Yeah, that one is available right now. I have only done two drafts so far. One I have not played out, I only drafted. Um, so the idea of this one is that it basically has no themes. Um, like after drafting, I always feel like this is not quite true, but at least they're not big, advertised very much. Um, the advertisement is that it's the most core components of magic most core deck types is in aggro mid-range and control uh with combo as they call it or as uh, kite cube calls it available in the form of cheating big creatures into play and there are different ways to do that but all of them are not quite the same power level as in the legacy cube on the magic online basic legacy cube for example right you're not seeing any like through the breach emrakul lose the game kind of deals right yeah you do see the through the breach and sneak attack i feel those are actually the strongest cheat into game cards that are in the cube uh but the rule um it's it's a hard rule that none of these cheat into play cards cost less than four except for if they are creature based so there are some necromancers um i don't know the exact name is two and a black two two you can tap it and sack it to return a creature card from your graveyard to play um and this is an interesting choice i feel like but there are also in green, some cards like Elvish Piper, Norwood Priest, mm-hmm. um, and like I like that this is available, but it feels very weak compared to the aggro and control cards. Like Jace the Mind Sculpture is there, and all of the the good cards for Monored Aggro that are in the Vintage Cube on Magic Online are all also there. Yeah. Same with Mono White, I think. Um, you have something like Hero of Bladehold, I believe, which, in my opinion, is probably the best 
finisher in mono white. Um, <laughs> just like attack twice with it and they die pretty much. <laughs> Even attacking once, uh, usually it's brutal. Yes. Yeah. Um, and it, it does seem like even though, um, we have through the breach and sneak attack. I don't think we see uh, anything like fifteen mana Emrakul, do we? I'm pretty sure. Like no, there are Eldrazi there, but like Pathraiser of Ulamog or something is there. Like it's an eleven mana nine nine with uh, Annihilator three and can only like super menace can only be blocked by three or more creatures. Mm -hmm. Like there are good cards to cheat and to play, but not as good as. Um, yeah, as in the Vintage Cube or something like that. Yeah. But the choice of fatties is nice. Like, it's interesting to see different fatties now. Like, removing all the Eldrazi, opening up space for rarely seen cards. Um, I do like that. For example, there's the, the Ur Dragon, which is a cool choice. I've never seen that card before. Like, it's some supplemental product, and it's an Wooburg and four 1010 Flyer. Um, then something with with command zone stuff, irrelevant flavor text. And when one or more dragons you control attack, you may draw that many cards. Then you may put a, a permanent card from your hand onto the battlefield. And it's a very interesting inclusion, I feel like. If you sneak attack that in, smack the opponent for 10, then put it, draw a card, put in another fatty that stays permanently, it's very nice. For sure, yeah. I think actually going for, uh, back to the other cube as well. Um, one of my favorite things I already mentioned how it's nice to have a contrast to the magic online cubes that we see pretty regularly. Uh, but I think one of the best ways to create that contrast is with these cards from supplemental products, um, the conspiracy, the commander cards. Um, and I think, yeah, that's, I think commander, uh, one of the commander releases. That's what the Ur Dragon is from, and it's yeah, yep. definitely a spicy one. So, but my favorite card from this cube that I have already added to my cube as well now is the um, an enchantment called the Bloodline. It's one in the black, and it has an activated ability of one and discard a card. Put a one-one black vampire knight creature token with lifelink onto the battlefield. Activate this ability only once each turn. So, while well, you can make two of them per turn cycle. And I think it's a very nice card. Like, it enables, like, graveyard synergies. It uh, produces tokens. It, in, my, in my cube, it triggers some life game matters cards. Yeah. I <laughs> like that card, too. Um, it's a pretty nice and synergistic one. Yeah, it's certainly not like a powerhouse, but I do like these kind of cards a lot. It's a lot going on. For sure. Um, I remember that card back in uh, Shadows Over Innistrad Limited. It was pretty good there. Um, I don't remember it there. Like, I might have seen it, but I don't know how, how strong it was. I think it was pretty good. <clears throat> Whenever you were able to pick up the uh, madness payoffs with it, um, or even just excess lands, you know, converting those oh, yeah, into it... board presents. It would work very well with the Madness team as well. I don't have that right now, but it's something to keep in mind. It's, I think it's just a very versatile card. I like it. Yeah. So yeah, as we, as we mentioned, um, for both 
Dekaru and the Coltic uh, cube, we've seen um, big presence for aggro and control, and I think that's been especially true um, in Coltic cube. In my first draft of it, I realized that the most open seat was mono red, so I decided uh, to try to go for a mono red deck, and I ended up uh, being in a spot where mono red was so open that I ended up playing 60 card mono red, no Yorion in the sideboard though. And, um, <laughs> yeah, it was, it was fun. I think I was down to either 22 or 23 lands. Um, and it was surprisingly consistent, but maybe not so surprisingly, if you <laughs> have a lot of experience with mono red, uh, most of the cards are quite good and they do very, very similar things to each other. Um, and I just, going off of that, I guess, I wanted to mention this concept that I've uh, conceived, which is the aggro test. Um, I think if you want to have a bunch of different archetypes in your cube, uh, the best way to test all of those archetypes is simply with aggro. If the aggro decks are repeatedly able to crush these other archetypes, um, then you need to either strengthen the other uh, the other archetypes or weaken aggro or some combination. And I will say uh, that in the Coltic Cube, it feels like control uh, is also pretty strong. It feels like control yeah. in particular has the best chance of combating aggro, but otherwise feel like the other archetypes struggle against it. Yeah. Another thing I also noticed with Coltic Cube is there are quite a quite a few planeswalkers like Cardi cube they have a, a youtube channel as well i will also link that here um where they discuss uh, that they don't want to set a limit to planeswalkers and all the upsides that planeswalkers have for your cube um but uh, i feel like this is also taking away um space for having cute synergistic card advantage machines out of two or three cards that you build for yourself. Because a Planeswalker is that engine in itself. And it's a very robust engine and like you play it and you gain some form of card advantage normally. So while I feel like these cards play very well in the cube, in other cubes, I think you do have to be careful. They take away some breathing room from other card types. Yeah, I agree with you uh, on that one. I think Planeswalkers, um, as nice as they are to play with when they're on your side, um, the fact that they effectively draw you so many cards and play so many cards without costing you additional mana, I think it's um, a little unfortunate for other uh, card types. Uh, though, one note about Planeswalkers too, I do like seeing some of the lesser known ones pop up uh, in cube. I think Mu Yanling was one of the ones uh, I ran into the other day in Coltic Cube, and that's a nice one for sure. So, more of that stuff for me. Maybe a little less on the Jace the Mind Sculptor side. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, it's the format is designed with them in mind, and I feel like it does play quite well. Certainly it's not for everybody, but for a very competitive-minded cube group, I think it's very, very good. It's a very good cube. 
Great. Um, I want to end this part where we talk about specific cubes now, but starting next episode, we will also be talking about our own cubes. But since now was such a um, nice time to have cubes available on Magic Online, we talked about those first. But that is something we would like to talk about, talk about our cubes, our philosophies in these cubes. And but another thing that uh, you can also expect from us in the future is going more into detail of a theoretical cube design. I'm really looking forward to do that with you. Yeah, I'm looking forward to doing that uh, with you too, Jacob. Um, and yeah, in addition to everything you said, um, specifically, I guess, with the theoretical cube design, um, we're looking just at, I guess, what makes magic tick, uh, how we can maximize fun for people and minimize, <laughs> I guess, unfun, unpleasant experiences where uh, you feel like you're getting crushed and even look at some basic things like uh, player types. So not yeah, only... I mean, yeah. we have heard that many times from the big from the great like Maro that you can't maximize the fun without keeping in mind who are the people that you are playing with or that are playing your your game your cube right because different things are fun to different people and in an ideal world you would get eight spikes together or something like that to play uh, cultic cube or something like that but that's just not how uh, things are usually going to come together so yeah or maybe you get uh seven spikes and one person who likes to avish piper in some fatties and that doesn't mind to go one and two or own three from time to time because these cards are there like you can draft them For but sure. i don't know if they are competitive with everything and right. maybe they don't have to be but yeah i think you make an excellent point there uh winning <laughs> which is fun to a lot of spikes you know is not necessarily the most fun thing to a lot of other players. And I think it's important to remember that because, um, you know, we think about magic, we think about, uh, oh, what makes a deck special? Did it go 3-0? Like, winning three matches in a row is so arbitrary. It says nothing. It could say that you drew well or your opponent played poorly. It could say anything. So Yeah, and only one person in a real cube pot can do that. And the others should have fun as well. Yeah. It's hard to do, but we want to go more in detail the next time. One last thing. We do have a community, a cube crew, where we, from time to time, draft our own cubes and play out the matches on Magic Online. So we are a, a worldwide community. It's a small community, but with people from many different places. Always looking to and, expand. Yeah, um, we, we would like to have you. I will uh, put the link in the show notes and uh, Max will put them under his YouTube video. So come and join us on our Discord server and see if something's up. Maybe you want to host something yourself and tell us about your cube. Yep, we'll see you there. Thanks for listening. Happy cubing. Mm -hmm.